Hey everyone, it's Eves. Just wanted to let you know that you'll be hearing an episode from me and an episode from Tracy V. Wilson today. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's November 7th. The Russian government was overthrown in the Bolshevik Revolution on this day in 1917. The date is also noted as October 25th because Russia was using the Julian calendar at that time. There were ongoing economic and social issues in Russia. By the turn of the 20th century, it was one of the poorest countries in Europe. Most of the people living in Russia were peasants, and up until 1861, they had actually lived as serfs. 1861 is when Russia abolished serfdom. There was, by the 20th century, a growing minority of industrial workers in Russia, but they were also extremely poor. These conditions had led to an earlier revolution in 1905 when Russian workers went on strike in huge numbers. This 1905 resolution really started when troops opened fire on peaceful demonstrators who were petitioning Tsar Nicholas II for change. At least 500 people were killed when that happened. Even though Russia was really economically struggling at this point, it entered World War I in 1914, and the war itself was not popular at all among the Russian people. Russia's involvement was also economically catastrophic. There were food shortages and fuel shortages. All of these issues that the Russian poor had already been facing were just compounded by the war. Russia was also home to numerous ethnic minorities who were marginalized in the face of all of this, and the war just made it worse. The February Revolution swept through Russia in March of 1917. It is called the February Revolution because, in the Julian calendar, it was still February. Like the 1905 Revolution, a big factor was a protest against food shortages. Tsar Nicholas abdicated the throne after this, ending the Romanov family's rule of Russia. And the committee of the Russian parliament created a provisional government which continued Russia's involvement in World War I. This provisional government faced some immediate challenges to its power, though. The Petrograd Soviet of workers and soldiers' deputies really was able to take control of the military almost immediately. The provisional government was reorganized repeatedly over the next several months. And then on November 6th, Vladimir Lenin led the Bolshevik party in a coup d'etat of this provisional government. It started with occupying government offices and then entering the Winter Palace and arresting leaders on the 7th. The provisional government had been created from Russia's elite. They were affluent. They were capitalist. The Bolshevik party, on the other hand, wanted Russia to be ruled by the common people. They wanted the country's peasants and workers and soldiers to be the ones making the decisions. Lenin was made head of state of this new communist government after the revolution. This wasn't the end of the conflict in a very turbulent 1917 for Russia, though. The Russian Civil War started later in the year, The White Army, which was made up of anti-Bolsheviks, fought against the Bolshevik government's Red Army. The Civil War went on until 1923, with the Bolsheviks winning and establishing the Soviet Union. So when people say the Russian Revolution of 1917, they're really talking about both the February Revolution, which toppled the Romanov family and the imperial government, and the October Revolution, which replaced the provisional government with the Bolsheviks. Thanks very much to Casey Pegram and Chandler Mays for their audio work on this show. 
You can subscribe to this day in history class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And you can tune in tomorrow for a brand new phenomenon. Hey, y'all, I'm Eves, and you're listening to This Day in History Class, a podcast for people interested in the big and small moments in history. The day was November 7, 1919. U.S. federal agents and local police conducted raids across the United States that targeted radical leftists, communists, and anarchists. The Palmer Raids, as they are known, took place during the Red Scare that sprang up after the Russian Revolution and World War I. The raids led to the arrest of thousands of people, but many people, including the Assistant Secretary of Labor, objected to the raids. During World War I, anti-immigrant sentiment was fueled by patriotism, by immigrants' actual political views, and by imagined fears surrounding their political loyalties. After the Russian Revolution of 1917, many Americans feared communist revolutionaries would try to take over the United States. Many Southern and Eastern Europeans were migrating to the United States, and there was a lot of labor unrest, stoking U.S. paranoia of communist threats. The Espionage Act of 1917 and the Sedition Act of 1918, which was actually just amendments to the Espionage Act, criminalized different forms of speech, including disloyal or abusive language about the form of government of the United States. Many suspected radicals were prosecuted under these acts. In April and June of 1919, anarchists attempted to carry out a mail bomb plot that targeted prominent politicians and businessmen, setting off a wave of arrests and sensational stories in the press. One of the people targeted by the bombings was Attorney General Alexander Palmer, who had a bomb explode in front of his house, which was largely destroyed in the blast. After the bombings, Palmer announced in a statement that the attacks would, quote, only increase and extend the activities of our crime-detecting forces. Palmer created the General Intelligence Unit in the Department of Justice, and he recruited J. Edgar Hoover, who worked at the Justice Department, to be his special assistant and chief of the unit. Hoover reported that radicals were an issue that needed to be handled with urgency, and Palmer noted the threats of anarchists, Bolsheviks, and Black people who were deemed radicals. Palmer and Hoover orchestrated raids and mass arrests under the Sedition and Espionage Acts. The U.S. government's Commissioner of Immigration signed the warrants for the raids. The raids began on November 7th, the second anniversary of the October Revolution and Bolshevik victory in Russia. People who were suspected of being radicals were arrested, even if they had not committed any relevant political acts. Authorities arrested many people without the proper warrants. Raids took place in cities across the U.S., including at the Union of Russian Workers headquarters in New York. Notable anarchists like Emma Goldman and Alexander Berkman were arrested. The raids continued into December, and another round of raids began in January of 1920. Most of the people arrested were released, but many had also been detained without trial for an extended time and weren't told their charges. In December of 1919, 249 accused radicals were deported on a ship called the Buford. In the end, around 3,000 people were detained and even more arrested, and hundreds of foreign citizens were deported. 
While many people supported the raids at first, public opinion shifted in response to the violations of civil liberties, and the Labor Department canceled many of the warrants used in the raids. As people questioned the constitutionality of the operation and the National Civil Liberties Bureau challenged the Sedition Act and Palmer's actions, support for the raids crumbled. Palmer attempted to trump up fear in the U.S. by saying there would be a communist uprising on May Day 1920. But when the attack did not happen, Palmer's credibility declined even more. Later that month, the American Civil Liberties Union issued a report documenting the government's illegal activities during the raids. Palmer ran for president in 1920, but lost the Democratic nomination. Fear of a communist threat and anti-immigrant sentiments would remain part of the national consciousness for years after the Palmer raids. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. Spend some of your daily social media time with us at TDIHC Podcast. You can also shoot us an email at thisday at iheartmedia.com. I truly hope you enjoyed today's show. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.